This is Brother Julius Adiyomi. We are going through the Acts of the Apostles and we are now in chapter 27. In, uh, we are in, in chapter 26. Paul was before King Agrippa, Governor Vestos, and all those rulers. And he wanted to hear from his mouth what he had been preaching. So he presented his testimony how he, the Lord Jesus Christ converted him on the road to Damascus and sent him out to preach to the nations and to the Gentiles. And when he was talking, and you got to the point where he talked about the, that Christ would, that he was only repeating what the prophecies have said, that Christ would suffer and be the first to resurrect from the dead, that was when Governor Festus yelled and said, ah, Paul, you are out of your mind. Too much learning has made you mad. That was how Governor, Governor Festus thought this man has been too much uh, educated and he's, out of, he's already mad. And Paul said, I'm not mad. What I'm saying is, even the king Agrippa knows some of these things. It's not, it's, not, it's not done in the corner. These things are not hidden from the king. And then he's challenging King Agrippa said, do you believe in the prophecy? I know you believe the prophecy. That was where Agrippa said, you almost made me a Christian. You almost persuaded me to be a Christian. Apostle Paul said, well, I, not, only, not only you, everyone that's listening to me, I, I wish they are all Christians like I am, but not with bonds like I am, having bonds. So they all just stood up and then they said, well, this man has not, not, not done anything wrong. Warrant death or imprisonment. Then Agrippa told the governor, if he has not appealed unto Caesar, I will have let him go. But he has appealed to Caesar. That's the that's a, a political way of saying, let's just let him go to Caesar. Well, he's not going to tell the governor, what should I write now? So that is where the question is, what are we going to write as this accusation? So they will figure out something to write. So now Paul is going to go to Rome in chapter 27. Because the, the, the governor and the king and all those people say, well, let's just send him to Caesar. We are, Caesar, we hear also this story that's going on in Judea and let them decide what they will do about, about Jesus. They want the, the head of the world to know about it also. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ wants. Jesus Christ wants the rulers of the world to know about the kingdom of God that's coming. The Lord Jesus Christ bring a kingdom. The kingdom of peace, the kingdom of righteousness. Praise the Lord. Now, chapter 27. When it was determined that we should sail into Italy, Italy is where Rome is, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. Now, Augustus is now the governor, is the, is the Caesar by that time, Caesar Augustus. So now like they call this band Augustus' band. So they are passing through. They say, well, you, centurion, with your soldiers, just guard, just guard these prisoners. So in, the, in those days, when they get prisoners from Judea, they have limited prison. So sometimes they just send them to Rome, where they will be working hard labor. Say so the prisoners are made to work hard labor in Rome. Whatever type of work they put on them, maybe from the prison they go and break some stone marbles, because Rome was building roads and building statues made of marble. 
So they could get free labor from all those prisoners that they are shipping from different parts of the world. Only the labor, only the only the, the prisoners. So they become the the, the, the wards of the state. Also. So they use them as free labor to go and dig marble from the ground and use it for all this thing they are building. They still have all those marbles, like statues all over. And they also by making roads, so they need free labor. So they don't have to be paying with the economy. So that was going on in that generation. So they would always send prisoners to Rome. So now the, this centurion with the soldiers are going back to Rome and say, well, just take these prisoners with you so that they release their, their prison from uh, some residence. So then the prisoners are gone to Rome, they can have place for new prisoners anytime time they find criminals. So that is really what was going on. So they said this centurion was named was Julius, the centurion, and of, of God's band, he was going to Rome with his soldiers. So they said, well, you guide all these prisoners and take them to Rome with you. But to, so they don't have a, a, what they call a, government-owned ship. These people, the soldiers, just go into private, what we call public ship. That is good because they only have ship for, for traveling on the Mediterranean Sea. So they will more or less just pay the owner of the ship to get them and all the soldiers and all the prisoners, and they pay a particular amount, and they will take them to where they're going. So it's not like they have a, a government-provided ship for them to travel on. So as soon as they're entering to a ship of Ad Adramitium, so the ship is coming from this Adramitium. See, we launched, meaning to say by the coast of Asia. So most of the traveling is close to the coast, so they can see the land on the right, even though they are on the, on the, on the sea, but they make sure that they can see the land, because that's the only way the, the navigation is through the coast. You can see when it's going, that city is the, the coast over there that you are seeing about a mile away. That is so, so, so close. And as they go on, they see another, another city. So that's how they actually go in those days without being in the, in the midst of ocean where they couldn't follow, they have no, no way of navigating. They use the, the, the coastlines to navigate. And then he went this, this is Luke that was writing this story now. We believe that he must be part of the people that are going because he was saying, we. So it's not, I don't, I don't, you don't believe that Paul was relating this to, to, to Luke who wrote this story. Luke wrote this story and he was saying we, he was with Paul when he was going now in this as a prisoner. And the, like we said, only, only the, some prisoners with the soldiers, but the other, other, what do call it, travelers that are going in the same ship that are not prisoners. They are just going to Rome on their own. There's the prisoners and the soldiers are also passengers. So these people also are passengers. So Apostle Paul has some of his friends also that are passengers. He said, well, we go with Apostle Paul because he's not sentenced yet. He's still going for hearing. So they said, so well, we just gather some money and go in the same ship with you so that we all go to Rome together. So some of Apostle Paul's friends were also going along. So that's why what Luke was reporting. He said, one Aristarchus of a Macedonian of Thessalonica being with us. So Aristarchus was one of them that was going with Paul. Bastis, and the next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go to his friends to refresh himself. Now, when they are taken prisoners, those who are already prisoners condemned, the soldiers, the, the centurion knew those, but they say they will give a letter to the centurion say, this particular one is just for hearing, it's not condemned yet, it's just a prisoner, so they know where he has to have some liberty. So that's one of the things he asked me when he was in Caesarea. He has freedom to 
to, to go with his friends and then come back. It's just being gathered. You can't run away. You have to appear in court the day of court. Even up to now in America here, they have that. If somebody is in the Africa case and you are under your appeal or you say they give you a, uh, a or you say whatever it is, they call it that you, you, okay, they say, okay, you pay this amount and if you don't show up in court, you are going to lose that amount. Yes, sir. And that is what that one is. But when he pay that amount, is he can collect it back when he get back and he show in the same in the day of the court. But that is what they do in the, in the general in the court about this. So this same thing, Apostle Paul was allowed to go freely to go and meet his friends. He has to come back. Otherwise, they will be looking for him also. Verse four. And when we had launched from from thence, as it from uh, Sidon, we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy, and he put us there. And you now see they are only just using public transportation. So the centurion is one that is in charge of all these prisoners. And they say, when we get to this place, this ship is not going further. And they're going to look for another ship that's still going towards Italy. They saw another one that said, well, this one's going to Italy, okay. The ship of Alexander, me, was coming from Alexander. Alexander is close to Egypt. So these ships are coming from Egypt, they're coming, they come to this coast, and then they go from there to this coast, and then go to Rome. See, everything is going towards Rome, because Rome was the capital where there's a lot of trading. So he saw this ship is going to Rome from Alexander, so they put them in, so well, they got enough pay for all of you. So they put them in. We join the passengers. But seven and when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over against Knidos, the wind not suffering us. We sailed under Crete, over against Salmon. When they could see Crete, that's the country, like an island, say, well, that's Crete over there. Well, let's keep going, let's keep going, let's keep going. And they were going, and they were saying the wind was against them. You see, they were going north, and the wind was blowing from north to south, pushing them back. So that's what it means that the wind was contrary to us. But it's an hardly passing it came unto a place which is called the Fair Havens. Nine where unto was the city of Lassia. Last night. Now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them. See, they stayed in this place for a while, and then they are thinking of moving forward, moving forward. And Paul was washing what was going on in the news or the wind and everybody's watching, of course, the, the sailors are also watching the, the wind and thinking, can we go? The wind seems to be too much. So they were thinking of all those things and Paul said he felt in the spirit that hmm, we shouldn't go. Pastor said, and Paul said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the living on the ship, but also of our lives. So he perceived from the spirit. He didn't say the Lord told me, he just said, I perceive. You know, some, some feeling of designing that this wind is not going to let off, but these people are anxious to go to, to Rome. Of course, if you are the one that has a business and you are traveling, you want to get there on time so that you can sell your waste. And the owner of the ship also wants to get there, he doesn't want to go there and come back and spend another time and go. So you make more money, the more, how many times you can go on this trip. If you have to go, it takes you six months to get to where we are going. That's only one, 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 uh, one salary. If you can go there every three months, you, you make four. So that is one of the reasons why many of them were anxious to get to Rome, of course. 
And Paul was saying, Paul was saying, I perceive that there's going to be much damage if we keep going because of this wind. Something can turn wrong. But said, nevertheless, the centurion, see, the centurion was also a passenger, and all these people are passengers, and the ship owner and the sailors, they are the ones that are the authority when it comes to sailing. So they have to either listen to the sailors and the owner of the ship, or get out and say, well, we are afraid, we don't want to go on this ship, and, and get out and say, we, we don't want to go anymore, and pay how far they have gone, and wait for some other thing. But they were not going to, the centurion have to decide. The centurion said, nobody let the centurion believe the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. So they were all scratching their head and Apostle Paul said, this thing is not going to be easy, let's not go. And the centurion went to confer, consult, consult with the owner of the ship and the sailors. And he said, ah, oh, we've, we've read this time before. No problem, we get there, we get there, we get there. So he believed them. Instead of saying, well, let's just get out of this ship and not go with them, no. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Phoenice and they are going to winter, which is an haven of Crete and lie toward the southwest and northwest. So they were saying, well, let's, if we keep going, we can get to that other uh, coast, Venice, which is, uh, which is close, getting much closer to Rome, but uh, we're still far away, but at least before winter. During winter, there will be no way of traveling because the ocean gets frozen and too much cold. So that's why they said, let's get there before winter and we can then stay there because there's enough space to stay and warm up ourselves during winter time. We're going to come there. But they said, this place where they are, this small, small village or small island where they are, there's no place they can warm up themselves. So it's not commodious for winter. Like you can't stay here for winter. No things to buy. You can't find clothes. You can't find anything that will warm you up. So that was why they prefer to keep going. I said, because this place is not commodious to winter in, to stay here for two months of the winter or three months of winter, what are they going to be eating? How are they going to survive in this place? Verse 13. And when the south wind blew softly, now they saw the wind blowing slowly now. They said, oh, suppose that they had obtained their purpose, they lose, losing then they sail close by. So the, the, the owner of the ship and the sailors said, well, you see, the wind is blowing softly now. There's no more torrentious wind that is pushing us back. So we are going to be able to make it. So, and they all, they all follow them and they get into the boat and they kept going. Verse 14, but not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Euroclidon. That's European, like a, like a European uh, tornado or whatever you call it. That wind was coming from the, from the north where Europe is and coming down upon Mediterranean Sea that was pushing all the ship back. And they said it was like a, like a wild wind or whatever they call it, hurricane. And then they were in trouble because they are, that European looked like a hurricane that is not going to let them go where they're going. Verse 15 says, when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. I mean, the wind just driving the boat, the ship right now, wherever you like. And they couldn't row the ship anymore. We just let it drive, let it drive. That was pushing them further down south, further down south, further down south, away from the coastline, and they didn't know where they are anymore because the Mediterranean is, uh, you are talking of miles and miles and miles of water, and they didn't know where they're going to land now. Verse 16, and running under a certain island, which is called Clora, so you could see an island over, and they listen say, well, that is Clora over there. We had much work to come by the boat. Which, when they are taken up, they use herbs. I mean, the, the soldiers are saying, People help us, help us. 
undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into a, to the quicksand, strict sail, and so were driven. So the, the sailors were only just trying, struggling to make sure that they don't get themselves stuck in the ocean and, and that they will not be able to get out for, for, for years or months. They all die of hunger. Then. So they were trying everything they could do to make sure that they didn't get into, into a quicksand. Verse 16, and we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. We said, Paul could have prayed and God delivered Paul from this. The Lord delivered in the embassy. All of these things, sometimes our prayers to be hot for us, not to even go to that trouble. Paul is the only one that we know we pray all the other we pray to idols, so if they are praying at all. So, but see, God finally delivered them, but you see where the, where they finally ended. And the third day, we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. I mean, they were now just trying to make sure the ship is light, you know, and doesn't sink because of the weight of the ship itself. So that if it's light, it will still be floating. At least they can breathe. If you get, if the ship itself get down that you, inside the sea, then everyone will be drowned. So they were trying to say, well, let's lighten the ship. So they cast everything that was heavy from the ship and cast it away. Verse 20, and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. I mean, they were now happy, no hope of ever surviving that hurricane that was pushing the ship everywhere. Verse 21, but after long abstinence, many days of abstinence, I mean, they were not, nobody is eating, they are afraid of for their life. Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have acted unto me and not have loose from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. Now, I was now reminding them that when I gave that counsel in, in Crete and I said I perceived, you should have hacked. So, if we have stayed there, we would have uh, not run into this trouble. Verse and now I exhort you to be of good share, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the sheep. I was now telling them that oh, I want to be, all of you to be of good share. Nobody will, be, will lose his life in this. We are going to all survive. We are going to lose the sheep. Why do you know that? Because God has shown to him in the vision that the sheep itself will be lost, meaning that the sheep will, will, will crash, broken to pieces, and they are going to have to swim away and escape, and nobody will lose their, their life. So that's why he said he has, he has seen that from God, and that's what he was telling them right now after he had been praying and fasting for days. And he said, How do you know that? Verse 20 said, For they have stood by me this night. The angel of God, whose I am, and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God has given thee all them that say with thee. You remember, the Lord told Apostle Paul that you will testify before Caesar. So, no matter what is in between that time and the time to get to Caesar, the Lord will work it out. So, he said, You must stand before Caesar. Oh, well, they are all more going to be drowned in the sea. And no, God said, You will stand before Caesar, it will, it will work out. Oh, these people wanted to kill him. Oh, he will stand before Caesar. God said he will work out. So you can trust in what God said. So that is exactly what Apostle Paul was trusting in and using that to pray. And God and the angel manifested and said, Don't be afraid. You will stand before Caesar. And God has given you all you all these people that are with you in the boat, uh, they all will survive. And that was the angel's message to Paul. So verse 25. So Apostle Paul was using that to exhort and say, Wherefore, sirs, be of good share, for I believe God. That it shall be even as it was told me. And then he told them what's going to happen to, to, to them. He said, be, we must be cast upon a certain island. That was the vision God has showed to him. That we are going to be cast on an island. They won't know the name of the island until they get there. Verse 27 is the shipwreck. 
But when the 14th night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria, Adria is the name of that sea section, up and down in Adria, about midnight the shipmen dimmed. I mean, they used something to sound to see how, how deep are we out, where are we right now? Because you can sense with, uh, with some way of finding out what is the depth of the water where, they are, where their ship is. So that's why the, the shipmen dimmed and sounded. See, after, about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country. I mean, the, deep, the water was this deep. Now it's getting smaller, smaller, smaller. They said, well, it looks like we are getting close to a, to a coast of a place. But when he said, and sounded again, found it 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again, found it 15 fathoms. I mean, the, the depth of the water where, they are, where the ship was getting smaller, smaller means that we are getting to a coast. We are getting to a coast. Then they were afraid that, suppose we are just getting close to a, to, a, to a rock. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors, because it's the dying time. The fact they cast four anchors out of the stand and wish for the day. I mean, let's just wait till the day where we can see at the distance where, where are we at. Because it's all day, dark night right now, and even though they are using the the thing to see how, how, how deep is this place where we are because they are just in the middle of nowhere. But started. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, they said, I don't know, well, this is an idea that Apostle says that these people are trying to run away. The shipmen are the sailors. And if the sailors escape and there's nobody to start the ship, they are all going to be in sort of. So he said the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship when they had let down the boat. He said the most of those big ships, they will have some small, small boats like a kilos that they can jump into that boat for people and take them to faster than the ship that needs to be stirred and maneuvered. That small boat, they can quickly wallow that. But that's only if the, if the water is calm and the wind is calm. That boat also can get into trouble, also small boats. But see, those, those sailors thought they can escape and, and leave the ship and just go and find out what is on the other side where they thought. There must be a country over there. So he said, but they are under color, as in they are disguising as though they will have cast anchors out of the four sheep. Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Don't let these sailors escape. If they escape, we are all be in trouble. There will be nobody to, to start the boat. We are just going to be grounded here for a, for a long time. And I, let's assume that the boat, the sailors didn't come back. Let's say they put anchors down that to just keep the ship in the middle of, of this ocean, of the sea, and the sailors escape and never come back. And these people that are passengers don't know where all the anchors were, and how to pull the anchors up, they will be there for days until they all die of hunger. No, so, so that's why he said, don't let these people escape because we are in, we are in this thing together. He said, except this abide and these sailors, don't let them, don't let them escape, except they abide in the ship with us. He said, we cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her follow. I mean, they say, well, if they are trying to take this boat, we just throw the boat away so that they can't get to the boat themselves. So the soldiers just cut off the rope of the rope and let it fall off. So these sailors will come back and say, gee, the boat fell down. Oh, gee, we don't know what. How did it fall down? Because somebody called the rope. And that was more like to, to save the rest of the passengers. But to, then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her follow. But to, now they are now listening to Paul. Because he just told her, angel told him this, and God is on our side. And so they are ready to do whatever Paul suggested now, also. Instead of before they were listening to the sailors. Verse 32. Verse 33. 
And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that ye have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Of course, Apostle Paul also had been fasting, but he got word from God that gave him confidence and consolation, and he was not confident, so he must have been there to eat. But all the other people are just afraid for their life. They are no more eating because of fear of death. People say that if they hear the day of their they going to die, they will, they will, they will lose appetite. <laughs> That's exactly what's going on with these people. They have not been eating because they just know that they are, going, they are going to die the thought. But Apostle Paul has heard from God, so he was not ready to eat and, and rejoice and praise God. So he called everybody and wherever they all gathered together, he said, you have been fasting for 14 days, nobody has been eating anything, let's, let's eat, we need some strength here. It's why tomorrow we are going to need strength to get out of this place because they are going to swim. No, they are going to swim. And some of them, if you don't have the strength, you can't go swim out. But 34 says, Wherefore I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health. And he assured them again, for there shall not an air fall from the head of any of you. So he was giving them confidence that unless I believe God, it's going to be just like God told me. So you guess it. Eat something. But 35, and when he had thus spoken, he took bread. And give thanks to God in presence of them all. I mean, he just take, took some bread. Everybody was looking at him as if they were going to die. He took bread and said, Thank you, God, for the food. And he's going to eat. And he started eating right before the eyes. He was the only one eating. Well, was saying, somebody said, Well, if I'm going to die, somebody said, Well, let's just eat something too. Then were they all of good share, and they also took some meat. Verse 37. And the Bible, and they said, how many people are in this ship? And we were in all in the ship, 200, 3 score and 16 souls, 276. 276 people, including the sailors, the passengers. We wonder whether there will be some children among them too. I mean, when you say souls, male and female, some of them are just going to Rome to, to move forward permanently, because trading. Some are just going there to trade and come back. But the only way they travel in those is ship. Now the ship was going to collapse and they were all thinking they were all going to die. 276 people. The soldiers and the soldiers and the prisoners and Paul, maybe, maybe one, one quarter of the other 276. I don't think they are that, 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 that much. So, and when they are eating enough, they lighten the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. Now, wheat is part of what some of them are carrying to Rome to sell some of those traders. But these are heavy things now. They say we need every light to lighten this boat so that we don't all drown. So they just throw everything aboard. Throw the things that look like big rock, the big, big wood that they always use to anchor the boat. Throw it away so that the boat will be light and be bouncing up and down on the, on the top of the water rather than sinking. So they say, what about this wheat? Who, who care about the wheat? They want to survive. So throw the wheat away. Verse 39. And when it was day and waited the morning, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore, into which they were minded. If it were possible, they would trust in the ship. There's a narrow, narrow creek here that if we can get the ship there, we can push it back out when we are about to leave. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands and oils of the mainsail to the wind and made towards shore. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground. And the four parts stuck fast and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. 
So the, the ship was was stuck, as we call it, stuck in a, in a, in a, in a rock. And then they couldn't move anymore. And then the wind and the water was blasting the other side of the ship that break the, the, the plywood that they used to make the ship and the water coming. So the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners. And that's what the soldiers would like to do. Don't let any of these prisoners escape. So they want to kill all these prisoners so that they will say, well, we are bringing some prisoners to Rome, but there was a trouble. We just have to kill all of them so that they don't, they don't escape. They are criminals. So lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, because they still classify Paul as a prisoner, he kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. So it was a, a, a voyage indeed that was full of uh, trouble. But that voyage ship, they used voyage for ships when they're traveling. But in the end, they all escaped, but the ship was lost. The ship was broken to pieces. They all escaped to land. That island where they escaped to. You see that in the next chapter. That is where... The, they call the island is called Malta. In that time, they call it Melita. But you see, go onto, onto the map, you see Mediterranean Sea, you see an island called Malta. In those days, they call it Melita. And that was where the, how far the, the wind blew them back, they were close to Rome. Blew them back all the way back close to Egypt. And that island was in between the south side of the Mediterranean and the north side, called Malta. Now I will continue this in the next broadcast. God bless you.